Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Good morning, church family. Thanks for participating in that. That's a beautiful thing that they get to go even in this season. So we trust that you will continue to pray for them. Hey, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, I was at this event. It was an outdoor event with the whole church. And I was talking to a group of adults at one point, just getting ready to lead something. When out of the corner of my eye, I see one of my students running towards me. And in my head, I have this assumption that something big has gone on in their lives, and they want to tell me this exciting story. But it wasn't so much that they were running to me. They ended up just running straight through me. And this kid just tackled me, grabbed me, and threw me to the ground in front of everybody. And as I fell, my hand hit the ground funny, and I felt something pop. And I knew immediately that it was a bad thing, because I started sweating, and my heart started beating a little bit faster, and I was afraid to look at it. And um, eventually, I summoned the courage. And you know, usually, my fingers for their whole existence have run parallel to each other, uh, but one was completely perpendicular to the others. And I realized that, that that's kind of a cringy image, uh, not as cringy as if you watched the Dallas Cowboys game last weekend, but cringy enough in this situation. And here's the thing. When something like that happens, you can't just go on with business as usual. I didn't want to just stand right up and lead the thing I was going to lead and be like, hey, look, my fingers make a plus sign now. Isn't that cool? Let's just keep going with what we're doing. You have to fix it. Something has to be done. And I didn't know what to do. And I knew I had to lead. So I just kind of tucked my hand around my side. And I pulled on my finger really hard. Wham! And then everything started to spin. And I actually had to sit down and wait a while. And everybody was just staring at me because they weren't exactly sure what had gone on. And I realized that I began with kind of a cringy story, that there's an uncomfortable feeling when someone talks about a bone being out of place. But I believe that this is a feeling that most of us are feeling about our lives right now. Most of us are feeling uncomfortable about this disjointed sense that we feel this disunity, that something is dislocated. And we don't just want to go on with business as usual. We want somebody to fix it. We want something to be done about it. But what are we supposed to do? I mean, how has God gifted us so that we can bring healing to these situations? How can we help unify the disjointed? And we're going to talk about that today. We're continuing on in our series, Wind Powered. And Steve kicked us off last weekend, did a great job, showed us a bunch of Greek words that explain that we can be powered by our flesh, by our bodies. We can be powered by our minds. Or we can be powered by the Spirit. And we want to be wind-powered people, powered by Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to talk about this idea that wind-powered people unify the disjointed. Wind-powered people unify the disjointed. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Just a quick background. Ephesians is six chapters, and it's divided neatly right in half. And the first half of Ephesians is basically the gospel story. It's by the grace of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have the opportunity to be saved. We could be holy, and we're part of this beautiful multi-ethnic community. And the second half of Ephesians is about then living out the gospel. 
It's us putting our faith into practice. You see, Paul spent almost three years in Ephesus with these people. They were well taught. And he was saying, OK, now it's time to live this out. And Ephesians 4 is the hinge point there. So we're going to just start in verse 1. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. He's given each of us a gift. Now, all of us were born with certain talents, and yours might be musical or athletic or intellectual. Maybe math is your gift. And you can use those talents to bless solely yourselves, or you can use them for other people, or you can just think about that talent as a way to make money. But when you become a follower of Christ, you receive gifts. And that could be in conjunction with your talent or completely different. But the purpose of a gift is to bring someone under the lordship of Christ, to help people become more like Jesus, to unify the disjointed. And we have these gifts listed in this passage. And nobody has them all. But all of us have some. And that's why we need each other. Verse 11, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, sometimes it says shepherds, and the teachers. Now, these are sometimes called the apest gifts because of the first initial of each one of those. And we're going to spend some time looking through those. We're going to step into the classroom in just a minute, and we're going to kind of break down what each one of those means. But as we step into the classroom, I don't want you to push these gifts aside and think, these are for the professional Christians. These are for other people. I want you to think about, I fit somewhere on this list. So listen for words that resonate with you. Listen for things that people have spoken over you. Ask Holy Spirit, hey, is that me? Could that be me? So let's step into the classroom and learn a little bit more about these gifts. Welcome to the classroom. We're going to spend just a few minutes talking through the five gifts that we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, these apes gifts to the church. And the first of these is apostle. Now, literally, apostle means one sent forth, and it's one sent forth to look back at the person who is sending them. These are the messengers. These are the ones on a mission. And maybe when you think of apostle, you think of Paul, or you think of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, and you've got Peter and James and John and Thaddeus and Dasher and Dancer and the rest of them. But there are other apostles listed in scripture. There's Barnabas, there's James, there's Andronicus and Junia in Romans chapter 16. And these are the visionaries. These are the pioneers, the ones out in front dreaming big and doing new things. They're usually marked by being entrepreneurial or adventurous. They forge new paths, start creative new ministries, give the vision for a new work so that the gospel can go to new places and to the next generation. Now, if this gift is not wind-powered, there can be trouble. You see, apostles can sometimes just jump from thing to thing. They can be people that make you feel like you're getting whiplash. It's that classic squirrel. 
You can get vision fatigue with apostles sometimes, and you can feel exhausted when you're around them and uncared for when you're around them as they just continue to run forth to thing after thing after thing. The next gift that we see here is the prophet. Now, usually when we think of prophet, we think of somebody who tells the future and then writes an Old Testament book about it, like Jeremiah or Joel. And, and yes, prophet has something to do with speaking about future events, but more often than not, a goal of a prophet is to exhort and encourage and to strengthen God's people, often with specific messages for specific times and specific places. And literally, in the Greek, prophet has the same root word as poet. It's kind of the same thing, and maybe that word resonates with you as you hear about just creative insight into things. These are people who declare the mind and the message of God, impart knowledge about hidden things. And this is an important gift. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy that this is something that we should lean into. This is something that we should pray for. You see, prophets, they speak God's truth over a current situation into the lives of people. They question the status quo. They challenge the dominant assumptions that we inherit from culture. They, they lift our heads up to see a bigger picture. They call us back to the truth of God. Prophets help us to hear the voice of God for the first time. Prophets help us to understand what it's like to continue to hear the voice of God. And we've seen that in this place. We've had prophets rise up and share visions. And in particular, we've heard visions of waves and waves after waves. And these are things that prophets do. Now, if this gift is not wind-powered, pride can spring up because prophets can feel especially close to God. And so when they share a message, they think everybody should just lean in and listen right away. And when people don't lean in and listen, they get frustrated and they get angry and they can disengage. Now, the third gift that we see in this list is evangelist. Now, in the New Testament, an evangelist is somebody that went out town to town and shared good news, literally the gospel. And it wasn't really the gospel about Jesus. This was just something that a ruler would do to send out news so that it got to all of his people. News that changed your status, like winning a victory in war or that there is a new ruler. Now, in Ephesians, it means news about Jesus Christ. It means the good news that Jesus is. And I realize that this can be an intimidating word. And usually when we think of evangelists, we think of somebody who's leading evangelistic campaigns or that person who always seems to be leading someone to Christ on an airplane, pre-COVID, mind you. And sure, evangelists can have easy conversations about who Jesus is, but mostly evangelists care about the church looking outward. Evangelists care about the world that is lost. They're the ones ringing the bell when we forget about things outside of our doors. They're the ones who invite the outsiders in. They're the ones who seek to stem injustice. They're the ones calling for personal response in people to the grace and truth of Jesus. Now, if this gift isn't wind-powered, then it can be all about the converts and not about the growth. And evangelists can be really concerned about having that one moment about what happens to you when you die and not really about how we're supposed to live this life as we have it. Evangelists can kind of have that reputation of being a little bit cold, kind of love them and leave them because once you make a decision, they're out and they're moving on to the next thing. 
Now, I want to pause here for just a moment because these top three are a little bit different than these bottom two. You see, these top three tend to be a little bit more pioneering. Uh, these are the developers. These are the ones forging into uncharted territories. And the next two that we're going to talk about, these are the settlers. They're the ones who establish community. Pioneers open up the land. Settlers make sure the new land is home. We've got developers and we've got sustainers and all of these are important. We need visionaries. We need pioneers to go and open up new land and we need to consistently care for people like these last two gifts do. And if you've been connected to a home church or maybe you're using your gifts to lead a home church, you're probably connected to these last two. The fourth one here is shepherd. It's pastor and it's an image we see over and over again in the New Testament. We're oftentimes called sheep. Jesus is called the chief shepherd, and he calls some of us to be shepherds as well. And literally, that's just a pastor. They feed and protect the flock. They care for the well-being of the church. They manage and direct and oversee. And typically, these are your counselors. These are your caregivers. They come alongside people in everyday life. They rejoice and mourn with people. They create healthy community. They make the outsiders feel like family. They're nurturing and they're caring and they focus on making disciples. And we have a community of people even among our own body that's called Sheepfold. It's a community that does just that. They care for people and love people. They've been doing it for years and years. They pray, they speak blessing, and they're doing a great job shepherding the flock. Now, if this gift is not wind-powered, shepherds and pastors can tend to be people-pleasers and not move people forward or, or share hard truth because they don't want people to feel awkward and they don't want to be rejected themselves. And sometimes they can value the stability of the community to the detriment of the vision, vision and direction that needs to move us forward. And lastly on the list, but not lastly in importance, is the teacher. And this is a familiar term to us. We know what a teacher is. It's somebody that's acknowledged for their mastery of a field of study. And, and biblically, it's someone who teaches the Bible or teaches theology or shows the truth and the way. They make knowledge about God accessible. They make scripture come alive. They give ideas life. They're concerned about comprehension. And they're strategic in helping people know about the truth of God and how it applies to their own life. And teachers, when they're grounded in this truth and when they're doing this thing, they come alive. Now, if this gift isn't wind-powered, teachers can become dogmatic. They can become rigid, overly intellectual. They have a whole lot of guidelines and boundaries and need to keep people within those. And scripture itself sometimes can become more important than what scripture is really calling us to, which is relationship, relationship with Jesus. Now, these are the five gifts that Christ has given to the church. Any questions? Good, I think I covered it all. Okay, real quick, we're gonna take a brief quiz. Uh, apostles mentioned in scripture, please answer this one. Thanks for joining me in the classroom. And it's my hope, truly, that you heard something there that resonated with you, that you saw something that you feel like you fit into, and that that gave you a basic understanding of what these APEST gifts are. Now, I want to come back to the big idea that we started with, this idea that wind-powered people unify the disjointed. Because we have those gifts as the church to do just that. 
That's kind of the why behind those gifts. Look at verse 12 of Ephesians 4. It says, their responsibility, those who are gifted, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. To equip God's people, sometimes it's translated as for the perfecting of the saints. And literally, it means this, an adjustment that allows the individual parts to work together in correct order. An adjustment that allows things to work together in the proper order. Now, this phrase isn't used a whole lot in the New Testament, but it's used specifically for two different things. First of all, it's used medically. To equip for the perfecting of the saints is a term that's used medically, which means to take something that's out of joint and to put it back in. As we talked about earlier, it means that when a bone is out of the socket, you get to pop it back in there. It's also used politically. And it means bringing together opposite factions so that the government can move forward. So medically and politically, it means to unify the disjointed. And so much in our culture is out of alignment. And I'm sure it doesn't take you very long to think of various situations where disunity reigns, where things feel disjointed. And that's why we have these gifts. We have these gifts to bring unity to these situations, to make things right. And the idea of making something right ultimately means this. It means to bring under the management of Jesus, to bring under the lordship of Jesus, because everything was created to be under the management of Jesus. And when that is so, things begin to heal. And restoration comes. But when things aren't under the lordship of Jesus, they separate, and they fray, and they dislocate, and they diminish, and they deteriorate. And that's why we have to fight against this. That's why we have to step out and use these gifts God has given us so that healing comes, so that restoration begins, so that the disjointed can become unified under the lordship of Jesus. And that's why we need all of these, because if the apostle isn't in the room, then we need somebody to speak up for vision, and we don't necessarily have that. And the prophet isn't in the room, then we don't have anybody that wakes us up and helps us listen. And if the evangelist isn't in the room, then nobody's ringing the bell for outreach. And if the shepherd isn't in the room, then strangers don't feel like family. And if the teacher isn't in the room, then that truth doesn't come alive. And so we need all of these gifts so that we can have unity. And I love that in this passage, Paul reminds us what the foundation of our unity is supposed to be. And we see it. We read it earlier. It says that there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all and in all. That's what our foundation is, this one thing. You see, our unity will only ever be as strong as its foundation. And when we base our unity on things that shift and change or are temporary, then our unity is always going to shift and change and be temporary. And we see this all the time. When you base unity on a person or a personality or a program or someone that's powerful or politics, then you realize that that unity is fragile because those things come and go. Those things are temporary. Those things shift and change. And you can't ever base unity on that. And with so much in our culture right now that is fragile, we see that. We are reminded of that in this season, how fragile everything is. And because of that, we need something solid 
to build our unity upon. And that's what Paul's reminding us. Christians should have the greatest unity because we have the firmest foundation. We are to build on this foundation and we're to use our gifts so that others can come under the lordship of Christ so that we can bring unity to the disjointed. You see, this is a call to action. This is the hinge point of Ephesians is us saying, OK, we need to live this out. I've heard so many people say, wake me for 2021. I just want this year to be over, as if something's going to happen magically when the clock strikes midnight and when the ball drops and when the disinfectant is diffused to the world, that everything will be different. But we can't check out. I read an interesting story a few weeks ago. It was about the 1904 Summer Olympics. And there was nothing too terribly special about these Olympics. They were held in St. Louis. But the marathon received particular note in this article. It was a very special marathon. It was a 90-degree day. It was high humidity. And this guy named Frederick Lors, he was a bricklayer by trade. He won this marathon by an astonishing 45 minutes. You see, but what really happened was, as he was running in around mile 11 or 12, Lors jumps in the back of his trainer's truck, and he gets driven for the next 12 miles or so, jumps out and then does that final lap in the stadium and wins and everybody applauds. And he actually gets the gold medal for a few days. And what do we learn from this? We learn when the going gets tough, you can just jump in the back of a truck. And you know, and honestly, as I was thinking about this, well, I would have ridden in the truck for maybe 24 of the 26 miles and then really spritz myself down. So I looked like I was sweating before I ran in. But here's the thing. He was actually a good runner. He had actually won the Boston Marathon, but he choked under the pressure. And he got crushed by these ideas of, what if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? People expect me to win this race. I'm not that gifted. And we can get crushed under similar expectations. And we can look at these APES gifts and say, that's not me, or I'm not good enough, or I can't do it. And so then we just want to check out. We want to jump in the back of the truck you know, and just ride out this next season. But we can't. The church needs us. The world needs us to unify the disjointed. So in closing, I just want to give you three handles, three things that we can do to begin leaning into this process. And the first is this. Take an APES test and have a conversation about it. If you go to the Google and you just APES test, you'll find several of them. And I do want to say the tests are not scripture. This is not some kind of spiritual horoscope that will allow you to see what's going on. It will really give you a starting point for conversation. And we'd love to have you do that, begin some conversations. But what you really want to do is you want to hear other people who have known you for a long time kind of confirm these things and speak these things over you. Secondly, I would say this. Ask Holy Spirit, in what situation do I need to use my gifts to unify the disjointed? You know what these situations are. And I want to affirm that you are gifted. You've been giving a, given a gift. It says so in Scripture. And so what are those situations? What are those areas that you can unify things that are disjointed? Salem needs us to be a city at peace with God. Our families need us. The church needs us. Our neighborhoods need us to do these things. And lastly, I just want to say this. Find creative ways to de-escalate conflict. 
How can we put out fires rather than add fuel to these fires? And I was trying to think of some very creative ways for us to do that, like maybe just a few words that we could use, a word that you would speak into a situation. When my wife and I were first married, we noticed that sometimes our conversation would get a little bit critical of the people around us. And so we decided that when we use the word aardvark, that we knew that that was kind of the catchphrase for us to watch our language. It was just really hard for us to slip aardvark into a natural conversation without people thinking that we were way out there. So I would say this, figure out something that helps you put the brakes on conflict. Church, imagine if we were a people who used our gifts in this way, if the apostolic and the prophetic and the evangelistic and the shepherding and the teaching gifts were all over to bring others under the lordship of Jesus, under the management of Jesus, to unify the disjointed. Would you pray with me in closing? Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you've given us. And I pray that as we hear your word today, that you would reaffirm gifts in people or that you would point out for the first time these gifts that you've poured into us. I pray that you would open up eyes and ears and hearts to be receptive to these things. And I pray that you would give us the courage and the determination to use these gifts to bring unity and health and hope and healing to a world that desperately needs it. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.